0: Today I am joined by my very good friend, Charlotte Webber, who is a world-renowned psychotherapist and best-selling author of this fantastic book, What We Want, A Journey Through Twelve of Our Deepest Desires. The thing about it that I really loved is it made me feel very hopeful and very excited about life. And um, it made me a bit more inquisitive and question things. but more importantly than any of that, it demonstrated how powerful therapy can be. And you take us through these 12 desires. You get a case study from each um, for each chapter to, de- to illustrate this desire.
1: Mm.
0: However, saying all this about the power of therapy, um, it's also really, really hard to find that fit. Mm between therapists and clients. And you start with the book from, you say one of the motivations behind writing this book was your, um, the fact that no therapist had ever actually said to you, what do you want, Charlotte? Mm. And I found it very frustrating at times. Completely. And it actually is a really interesting point because it got me thinking, has anyone I've ever seen therapists, coaches, ever asked me that question? And I don't think they have. Mm. So with that in mind, what does that mean for the bigger picture in terms of when we go to meet a therapist, should we be having this question in the back of our mind straight away? And if they're not asking us
1: that, is that something we should worry about? I I think that we can get incredibly focused on our problems and therapy is a space for exploring what's wrong, but it should also be a space for looking at what, what it is you seek out of life. I think that I'm very restless as a person, which isn't always compatible with therapy where you're supposed to kind of sit with sorrow. But I think sometimes that restlessness can also generate energy and we need to kind of move past our obstacles. We get really, really hung up on all of the roadblocks and and we don't look past them. So I think it does make sense to think, what is going on? Why am I feeling so frustrated? But what's behind that frustration? What would actually make things better? What is it I seek? Okay, thank you. Um, I want to talk about those light
0: bulb moments that we have when we're in therapy. And, you know, there's sort of breakthrough moments that are just so, it's um, a bit of a cliche, but transformative for the client. Mm. Um, I've had some of them. I imagine that you've had some of them. I'd love to know from a therapist's perspective what that feels like for you when you're in a room with your patient or client um, and they've had that realization. Oh,
1: I love that question. I haven't been asked that oh, before. That was good. <laughs> I think it's a wonderful feeling of connection and rapport. And it's that incredible relief that happens when you say what's really going on and you you don't hold back and you can you say the thing not the thing that you're supposed to say but the thing that you've really had trouble articulating and it just suddenly makes sense whatever it is it could be a feeling it could be a thought an observation but it's just a wonderful moment when when you really meet another person and that happens incredible
0: yeah
1: i just remember
0: um speaking to a therapist a couple of years ago about a specific incident that had happened. I think I told you about it outside Mm. my son's school. And she and I were talking and all of a sudden, you know, it just went quiet. And it was like we both knew that that I had realized something quite profound. Mm. And it is just it makes you realize this is what it's all for. Mm. It's
1: worth it. The investment, the commitment that you put into those sessions, it makes it all worthwhile. Yes, and it's interesting because sometimes it's something that can f- seem quite basic it's and so it, it might even seem obvious, but it, you might have to say it 50 times and then suddenly it actually makes sense. Yeah, and actually
0: that reminds me of something in your book. Um, you say something in the end of the chapter to win, which is one of the ones, and you, and you said that um, one of your clients allowed her to be to, to drop the modesty for mm. a moment and that was like her breakthrough moment when she just was like actually yeah i'm pretty good at this and it was it's a very mm. very unusual realization um sort of something to admit to yourself and to admit it to someone else is quite a moment so
1: one of the best kept secrets is when we really enjoy being who we are and actually when there can be that kind of safe ego and people can say something like, I I love this about myself, or I did really well. It's just so joyous I know, to see that.
0: People almost have shame about saying it, it.
1: Absolutely. And and people will come to therapy kind of ostensibly wanting to improve their self-esteem, but then they don't feel entitled to it. And they feel like they're supposed to hate themselves because we've been conditioned that way. So has anyone ever asked you what it is that you like about yourself? I've been asked questions close to that yes and and i i will answer <laughs> okay so do you do you find it a difficult thing to answer yes and i sometimes answer with that i'll say i feel embarrassed yeah. i mean i i like meeting honesty with honesty and i i don't want it to ever be about me in therapy but i will bring myself into it if it's going to be helpful right. if it'll move things along yeah. if it's going to just be a detour and kind of change the subject then i i will try to kind of bring it back
0: okay um because if someone was to ask me that i i would be worried to say the truth in case that person disagreed right interesting yeah i mean you could always just say it anyway it doesn't yeah mean, because if you think of it but then i always
1: think oh that you know really she thinks that of herself but mm. it's not true and we're all contradictory as well because the moment you say anything about yourself, you could also think the opposite. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, okay, so I want to move on and I want to talk about relationships, particularly romantic relationships, so marriages, long term relationships, living with people. Um, I have the chapter To Win mm-hmm. in my mind, which focuses on a relationship between a heterosexual couple. They're not married. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been together for a long time and their desire for almost, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a fantasy life. Mm. Um, They desperately want to go back to a happier time when they first met, when they were different. Um, You quote, they both want each other to be the way they used to be. And he thinks his fantasies of love and marriage should become reality. Mm. So there's this sort of idea that um, in this marriage, there needs to be a sense, of this fantasy being realized mm. do you think that to sustain a happier marriage or a happier relationship we need to fake it a little and also create some
1: sort of fantasy at times i think that we always have a fantasy life and and fantasy is a wonderful thing and helps us make sense of reality but i do think it's helpful to know that it's fantasy we get into trouble when we actually believe that the fantasy should be reality like if we expect our fantasies to come true and then we're furious because it hasn't worked out that way so i mean i think i think sex usually has some fantasy element it it can't just be reality or it would kind of lose its mystery and excitement but i think i think it's when our expectations are just saturated mm. with some kind of illusion about about how things should be and we can can't accept whatever is actually happening
0: do you think that in this particular case your client did
1: accept that it was a fantasy i think when confronted we can usually handle whatever it is that we're dealing with but it often needs to be pointed out and that's where therapy can be really confrontational mm. one of the things that can play out in a relationship is that one partner can become the kind of checkpoint for reality and it's the kind of giant stop sign and that's that's really taxing on the dynamic if one person is the kind of financial reality kind of toll booth it's just not it's not very enjoyable for either side and and there's a lot of resentment that happens so i think that acknowledging what's fantasy just is very liberating yeah i definitely agree um and in terms of
0: faking it in the in the marriage in the relationship what do you think about that i
1: think that it's really important to be honest with ourselves i i don't think that you always have to be a truth crusader and say everything but i think that knowing when you're faking it having that awareness we we can then make choices about holding back so I think it can be really problematic if someone leaves therapy and just says exactly what they think to everyone they know, <laughs> yeah. as tempting as it might be at moments. We, we can be restrained, but it is helpful to kind of acknowledge internally that actually you're not saying something to your partner about his mother, whatever it is. I, I think that yeah. acknowledging that really does count. I mean, it's something that I
0: suggested once to a client was to write it down Mm. the criticism Mm. not do anything with it but sometimes you just need to to get it out yeah
1: i love unsent letters yes for instance or unsent emails or whatever it might be you know say it, it express it but yeah not necessarily to the person but i also think that politeness actually really matters and in a relationship sometimes restoring politeness goes a long way because couples get incredibly rude incredibly Yeah, it's very true. And um,
0: staying with relationships, but moving to the broader sense of the word. So relationships with siblings, parents, friends. um, I've had quite a few questions from clients recently about an issue with somebody close to them, very close to them, that um, is, is, is a tricky one. So they're dealing with somebody that's either got borderline personality disorder or chronic narcissism but this person they can't cut out their life Mm. it's somebody close enough in their life that they are will always
1: be relevant Mm. what do you do in that situation to protect yourself dealing with very difficult people i i think boundaries are absolutely key but very often that's really hard especially if it's a family member and you have historical patterns in place but small dosages. And there are those people that you have to deal with and you kind of cannot eliminate them and maybe also have affection for, but just ordinary boundaries, like protecting your sleep, protecting your alone time, whatever it is, it just really, really matters enormously and, and often is very contrived. Do you think calling people out is helpful? I think it depends on what you can bear. So for some people, I don't mean you personally, obviously. I've, I've certainly been there myself. If it reaches the point of just being absolutely intolerable, then confrontation can be necessary. But there are certain situations that are hopeless. And actually, I think it's really helpful to acknowledge hopelessness. And I say that kind of with a smile, but someone in my life said to me a couple of years ago, some situations are hopeless. And I couldn't bear it at the time. I, I just had so much hope. And actually my hope was really problematic because I kept on being overly optimistic that difficult people were gonna change and I would get through to them and I would have an impact. Mm-hmm. And And I think that there can be a grandiosity in being overly hopeful about all relationships. We cannot make everything completely okay. And some people are gonna to continue to be kind of intransigent in their way. And, and we can only do our best. And if, if we're constantly bent out of shape, we have to keep ourselves sane. And sometimes that means giving up hope. That actually makes me feel a bit relieved in a way when you say
0: that. The idea that, that okay, once it's over, it's over. And there is no more being let down. Mm. And that can be quite liberating. It's so
1: liberating. I mean, quitting can be a joyous thing. <laughs> Giving up can be wonderful. And and then you can invest somewhere else. But it really is about having agency to, to call it a day. Mm-hmm.
0: Rather than call them out and, and putting all that stress and into something that you know is hopeless yeah and just waiting 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 thinking that something may improve I've been doing quite a lot of uh reading and um there's you know so much about you know dealing with people that are really narcissistic and Mm. you know borderline personality disorder and I was reading that it's one of the hardest um things for therapists to diagnose
1: Mm. is that can you tell me a bit more about that Well, I think it depends on how truthful someone is. I don't think that therapy is particularly effective if people don't tell the truth. And I don't think anyone tells the truth the entire time. So I I absolutely loved it recently when a client said, I was completely faking it in our last session. I mean, that (laughs) to me is incredible honesty. But if if you are constantly false and you're false with yourself and you're false with your therapist, It's going to be really difficult to get an accurate picture of what your life is like. So sometimes therapists get played and they don't. Did you know that she was being fake? This, This woman who said that she'd been fake was not borderline or narcissistic. She was just human. And actually, it was a massive kind of aha moment that she could say that. And I, another time someone said, I was looking at my phone. I was looking at a text message during our session under, under the frame of the computer. And again, I, I just loved that this person yes. was able to say that because we all... I've done it. We do things, but then it's kind of wanting to be liked, wanting to
0: keep it That's nice. exactly what I was going to say. I, I think I was in a therapy session once and I wanted the therapist to like me. Yeah. I'm sure that is very very common. Mm. So I was I I was not I was presenting as someone that had
1: like why was I there? I was, like this perfect to person just get was... endorsement for the false <laughs> yeah. presentation. Yeah. That I love was like that's the that. biggest waste of money and time. What yeah. Be... Because it, it's not a good feeling also to just get validated for something that isn't the real you. No. What's really a good feeling is when you can be absolutely horrific and beastly and survive it. <laughs> And therapists can kind of tolerate the unsightly parts. I I mean, I think that's quite kind of bolstering. I agree. So letting it all hang out. I absolutely agree. But for narcissism and borderline personality disorder, I mean, it's hard to diagnose. And and when it is diagnosed, it's also hard for people to hear that diagnosis. And those words have been so weaponized. So people do not, like the kind of punishing sense of being labeled that way and and then it becomes harder to to treat Mm, yeah
0: that has come to the end of our chat thank you so much charlotte this is
1: such a privilege to have you on mindful conversations it's always wonderful to talk with you i've always felt like i can be honest with you well by the way huge compliment thank
0: you and likewise You might notice that we are in a very different place to my usual kitchen. Um, This is Charlotte's office where she sees her clients. Thank you so much. Thank you, Charlotte.